Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This 24-part series on interpreting the book of Revelation was given at Tungling Bible College in Singapore back in 2002. Be sure to get a copy of the textbook by the same title, available from Amazon in your region in paperback and ebook formats, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Uh, what I gave you from Matthew 13. Matthew 13, where in the harvest parable, whether it's the harvest of the wheat and the tares, or the harvest of the good and bad fish, or the harvest of the earth, uh, the saints generally liken to wheat and, and uh, barley and corn, uh, but the wicked liken to the uh, overripe grapes. Uh, so you've got the two halves. Whatever symbol is, wheat or tares, good or bad fish, or uh, harvest, uh, corn harvest, or vintage, uh, they're all just uh, symbolic of the same truth. The saints are the sinners, there's no middle line. And so when you put the whole scripture like uh, under the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles was the feast of harvest in the end of the year. So Jesus said the harvest is the end of the age. So in this chapter 14, which we've just looked at, we've seen two harvest scenes, harvest of the saints, by the Son of Man and angels working with Him, because angels and principalities and powers are subject to the Lord Jesus. They are ministering spirits sent forth to those who are heirs of salvation. Uh, but when it comes to the harvest of the wicked, Son of Man, uh, not specifically used there, reaping, just the angels, because the wicked, see? So, you know, I say to people, we, we live in eternity with the one we serve in time. So in eternity, we'll be living with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll be stuck with you people. <laughs> and you'll be stuck with me. Except not in seminars. <laughs> oh, rest, rest, rest. Then uh, and, and the holy angels. But the wicked are going to live with the devil that they serve in time. And with the angels, the wicked angels. I mean, that is going to be hell. So, to, so at that period of time, it's so serious that God has the angels working with him, fulfilling those parables. All right, now, let's uh, pray my voice holes on here. Okay, so um, so just keep in mind that we're looking at the events in these three and a half years, the two witnesses, what's going on over there, the preservation of the true church, and the beast and the false property image, uh, worship the mark of the beast being established. Now these seven angels, or they're not seven angels, I should the son of man and the angels, seven personages, uh, ministry must be in heaven somehow, only time that time will tell. It's not safe on earth anyway. And now we come to chapter 15 and 16, and we're looking at the seven bowls of the wrath of God. Uh, somebody did give me some questions here. Uh, yeah, Revelation 15 months says the seven plagues of God's wrath is complete, and I do believe that it's the... Um, it's the wrath of God, like 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9 talks about that uh, uh, we are delivered from the wrath to come. So I've said that the church will go through tribulation, but the church will not suffer the wrath of God. Uh, we've just got to keep those uh, distinctions in mind. All right, now let's turn to uh, 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 page 14 on your notes. We'll have a little bit of a uh, running commentary here. Uh, 13, is it? Yeah, that's right. Thank you. 13. Page 13. Alright, so now we're looking here at the seven false sanctuary scene. So just keep in mind these things all pertain to this, uh, the 73 prophecy, the last half. Alright, the seven false sanctuary scene. Okay, so I'm just going to make a, 
running commentary now. There's so many loose ends we've sort of got to keep uh, pulling together here. Uh, as we come to this chapter, we find that Satan has been cast out of heaven. Uh, he's been cast down to the earth. Uh, all this period of time, I might say, I don't think I said this before, that, that the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, so there's a point of time when he begins, he's about to sound, and then so I see that the voice of the seventh angel actually sounds over the period of the, of the three and a half years. And then it consummates. So let me say it again, so repetition is the best teacher. The seventh seal and the seventh trumpet and the seventh bowl of wrath all end with voices, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquake, which shows that the 777 all end at the second coming of the Lord and introduces us to the seventh day, my, what I call the school I'm in, the Christian millennium. So we sort of, you know, there's so many uh, loose ends that we've got to keep in mind. These are the events that are taking place. Okay, so I'm going to uh, just look at Revelation 15, a short chapter here. Alright, so uh, chapter 15, verse 1, uh, the seven angels which you've got in your notes. I saw another sign in heaven, so we've had several signs in heaven, a great and marvelous seven messengers, seven angels, and notice again, it's a heavenly scene. So I said that before, which I got from Bullinger, you have to notice whether the scene is on earth or heaven. So heaven and earth are connected, so uh, things that happen in heaven affect things on earth, so heaven and earth. But the scene again, like chapter 14, is in heaven. Mount Zion, then the angels, the Son of Man. Okay, so the scene is in heaven. John is seen into, into heaven. Great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. Now, I want you to turn over to um, uh, Exodus chapter 13 on, uh, on this area a moment. Exodus uh, chap chapter, what is that? Exodus 30. Yeah, Exodus 30. And uh, recognizing, you know, that the Bible is just one divine jigsaw puzzle, you have to sort of keep, you know, try and bring all the parts together without forcing the parts. Now, Exodus chapter 30, and I want to, want to go to um, verse uh, 11, 11 through to uh, 16. So listen carefully now because we're talking about the seven last plagues. Now these bowls of wrath are the seven last plagues. They're just different from the trumpet judgments, which are just being measure upon the earth. A third, a third, a third, a third. So that's just touching uh, a third of the earth here, there, and everywhere, whatever. But the bowls, the plagues of wrath, very serious now because of what the world condition is at this time. So, uh, okay, listen to verse 11, Exodus 30, verse 11. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When you take the sum or the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself, a ransom for his soul, uh, to the Lord when you number them. For what purpose? That there be no plague among them when you number them. How many remember the scene where David numbered the people and God sent a plague? The reason was, which many preachers don't seem to pick up, let alone believers, is because when they were numbered, they had to bring the half shekel of redemption, the atonement money. And Satan hates the atonement, 
And so he moved on David to number the people, and even Joel, the king uh, said, the king's word is abominable because he despised the atonement. See, it was only when they bought the atonement money, the ransom for the soul, that they were protected from the plague. Now, this period of time, people have rejected the atonement, the blood of Jesus Christ, so it leaves them open to the plagues, the seven last plagues of the wrath of God. That's the picture. Okay, let's continue reading. When you number them, there'll be no plague among them when you number them. This is what every, everyone among those who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary, that is God's standard. A shekel is 20 gears. The half shekel shall be an offering uh, to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and up above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more, so they can't buy their way, and the poor shall not give less, so they can't say, well, we can't afford it. Everybody, the same value for everybody's soul, half a shekel, when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for your soul. And you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle meeting that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement. So the issue there, when anybody was numbered, they had to bring the atonement money. Okay, otherwise the plagues would uh, fall on them. <clears throat> and so let's go back to Revelation 15 again. So seven angels with the seven last plagues. And in them is filled up the wrath of God. And the word wrath is used a number of times right through the book. Uh, let me give you some references on this word wrath. As I said, you know, there's either the love of God or the wrath of God. There's, only, there's no neutral side of God, you know. It's, it's one side or the other. Uh, put down Revelation chapter 6, verse 16. Revelation 6, verse 16, where it speaks of the wrath of the Lamb. I mean, that's, that's hard to sort of combine those two words. How can the Lamb be angry? You know, the wrath of the Lamb. It's the same Lamb that was sacrificed for our sins and due the wrath of God on Calvary for our sins. Now it's the wrath of the Lamb. So Revelation chapter 6 and verse 16. Then uh, here's several references from, from Revelation. The wrath of God. So Revelation chapter 14, which, which we've just looked at that chapter, Revelation 14, verse 10 and 19. Revelation 14, verse 10 and 19. And then Revelation, uh, we've got some in this chapter, but Revelation 19, verses 15 and 16. Revelation 19, verse 15 and 16. And uh, one other one here, Revelation 11, verse 18. Revelation 11, verse 18. So that's... 14, 10, and 19, uh, 19, verse 15 and 16, and 11, 18, and then what we've got in this chapter. So broken law demands the, the wrath of God. You see, see when we, in Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, we didn't uh, sort of look at the verse, but there it speaks about the Ark of the Covenant. So John saw the Ark of the Covenant, and uh, here's the picture that you have. Back in the Old Testament, uh, when God gave the revelation of the tabernacle of Moses that we've seen, one of the contents uh, in the ark was the law, the Ten Commandments. And uh, the law, don't, uh, don't uh, uh, honor, honor God, have no other gods before me, don't worship any image, don't bow down to any image, honor your father and mother, thou should not kill, don't commit adultery, so forth. Now, as the world conditions, all the commandments of God are being broken. 
And see, we have a, uh, an awesome illustration in the book of Samuel somewhere. When the Ark of Co uh, the Covenant was taken in captivity uh, to the Philistines, uh, that eventually God plagued them because they dared to touch the Ark of God. Uh, the, the, they sent the Ark back, cutting a long story short here, they sent the Ark of God back. And when the men of Beth Shemesh saw the Ark, they said, oh, here's the Ark of God coming. So what did they do? Unwisely, foolishly, presumptuously, they, 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 they peered into the Ark and were told, I think it's 57,000 people died. Now, people say to me and say, well, Kevin, you're making something out of nothing. So tell it to God. They say, it's only a bit of wood overlaid with gold. Tell it to God. Tell it to the 57,000 people that died. Now, why? I'll tell you why. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was the law. On top of the Ark was the mercy seat. Everybody say mercy seat. Mercy seat. The mercy seat. And when they had the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, what was sprinkled on the mercy seat? So you see, for, in order for them to look into the ark out of presumptive curiosity, they had to put aside the mercy seat. They had to remove the blood-stained mercy seat. And once you remove the blood-stained mercy seat, you expose yourself to the law. And Romans chapter 3 somewhere says, the law works wrong. That's it. And that awesome picture. So they put aside, now, at this period of time, people have rejected the blood. They've rejected the mercy seat, so they're open to the judgment seat. They have violated the laws of God, so they've got other gods beside God, they're worshipping the devil. They've got an image, a graven stone, they're worshipping the image. They're committing adultery, they're murdering. They're breaking the Ten Commandments. And so the law works you off. That's what's happening here. So, you know, we don't sort of understand this without, you know, that background. Okay, so that's, that's, that's a picture you've got to keep in mind. All right, so for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Now, go to verse 2. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. Now, I've, I've alluded to this before, but now we're sort of bringing some of the loose ends together. Go over to Revelation chapter uh, 4. And verse 6, so I'd like you to put on your note there on the sea of glass, just comment here. Revelation 4, verse 6, when John sees the, uh, the uh, original vision here, we're told, and before the throne there was a sea of glass, uh, like unto crystal. So back there in Revelation 4, the sea of glass is like crystal, it is crystal clear. You can see through the whole thing. But here, under this three and a half years, the, the sea of glass is mingled with fire. Why? Because the fiery tribulation era, era is on. Three and a half years, tribulation fires. These have come out of great tribulation. And also, so uh, make sure you pick that up. So I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire. Back there it's clear. And also it's vacant back there. Nobody's on it. Now, I've said this before, uh, that on each of the articles of furniture in the book of Revelation, there's a company of people. So there's souls under the altar. The sea of glass is empty back there. But now, the tribulation saints, these martyrs of three and a half years, that article of furniture reserved for them. 
So I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. And who's standing on it now? Them that had gotten the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name. You notice those four overs? Reading from old authorized over the beast. Now the beast thought he'd got the victory over them. But they gained the victory through martyrdom. So over the beast, number one. Over his image, number two. Over his mark, number three. Over the number of his name. And where's their position? They stand on the sea of glass. So if you can sort of go back to what I gave you uh, earlier in the, uh, the, this week here. Tabernacle of Moses. And so the articles of furniture. So Revelation chapter 6, souls under the altar. Martyrs of the church age. Maybe right from Abel down there belong to there. But now this sea of glass, this article of furniture, especially reserved for the tribulation saints. That, that's very clear. Empty in chapter 4. Uh, that is full now. So as these martyrs, the state tribulation saints are saying, they go straight to be with the Lord in heaven. As the scene is in heaven. Now, you'll notice here, they have the harps of God. 144,000 have the harps. Harp of God is an instrument from the tabernacle of David. So, worshipping, praising God. We made it, boy. We got the victory over the guy. He, he thought he had us. Then verse 3. Notice the significance here. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. Now, that immediately links up with Revelation chapter 11. Because I believe if Jews, uh, you know, I'm not sure on exact time element here, but if Jews accept Christ under the ministry of the two witnesses, they're going to be martyred by the Antichrist system. Because it's the Antichrist that overcomes the two witnesses when they finish their ministry. So why do they sing the song of Moses? Moses is one of the witnesses who smites the earth with plagues and often will serve the water of the blood. So that, that's uh, just a confirmation to me. And they sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Put down Exodus uh, chapter 15. When Israel came out of Egypt, how did they come out? Under the ministry of two witnesses, Moses and Aaron back there, and the Passover Lamb. And then in Exodus 15, they sing the song. After they come, listen to the Lamb, after they come through the Red Sea. So parallel, back there. The Passover lamb, the Red Sea, the song of Moses, Miriam, first song recorded in the Bible. That's the tremendous picture. I mean, type and anti-type just work together. So here, these, just as Israel overcome Pharaoh, who was the beast back there, through the blood of the Passover lamb, under Moses and Aaron, two witnesses, crossed the Red Sea, sang the song, first song recorded in the Bible from Aaron to Moses. There's no song. It's the same picture again. Two witnesses, the beast, the, the sea of glass, and the Passover lamb, and now the song and the harps of God. And we think that's an awesome picture. I mean, just, wow, it's just uh, God's divine jigsaw puzzle. And so their song, they're great and, and marvelous. Uh, are your works, Lord God, and my just and true, your ways, King of saints, who shall not fear you. You alone are holy in all nations to come. Now, go to verse 5. Uh, this is very important here, this uh, verse 5. In verse 5, we're told, After that, I looked and behold... Now, there's, there's sort of two words that are used here. Uh, the, the temple 
of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Temple and tabernacle. So, you know, uh, we have to try and keep in mind with all we have to keep in mind. In, in heaven was the real temple, the real tabernacle. So, uh, the ta tabernacle Moses, the temple of Solomon. The real thing is in heaven. The, the, the origin, the archetype of everything is the heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly temple. So when we say tabernacle or temple, the real thing is in heaven. That's what John is seeing. He's seeing the, the archetype of everything. So he was, uh, you know, the late planet Earth. So when, when Moses or David uh, saw these things, they actually see the shadow. And what they did on Earth, the, the, the thing on Earth was just a shadow of things in the heaven. That's what the book of Hebrews is based on. That Jesus has gone into the heavenly sanctuary, passed through the heavens. See, we look at the tabernacle of Moses horizontally, but uh, biblically in the book of Hebrews, it's vertical. So Jesus has gone through, so just as there were three places here, uh, there was the outer court, holy place, and the most holy place. These three places actually pointed to the three heavens. That's why Paul says Jesus has passed through the heavens. So the outer court, uh, to us would be the atmospheric heaven, the first heaven. And then the holy place corresponds to the planetary heavens, the second heaven. Then Paul says, I was caught up to the third heaven. Third heaven is the most holy place, paradise. So that's what Revelation is about because in chapter 12 it says, Rejoice ye heavens, plural. The heavens are not clean in your sight, because sin began in heaven. When Satan, who's the author of sin and the originator of sin, and these angels cast out, heavens are cleansed, rejoice ye heavens. But woe to you, earth, because the devil's come down to you. He's only got a short time, three and a half years. So that's the picture. So John is seeing the prototype, the original of everything in the heavens. So the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Now, verse 6. The seven angels came out of the temple, having seven plagues. And again, this is, you know, a very, very solemn scene. It's these seven angels, uh, they're, they're clothed in pure white linen, and they have on their breasts uh, girded with golden girdles. And one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden vials or bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Now, verse 8 is a very, very significant verse. The temple was filled with smoke, holy smoke, from the glory of God, just want to get that in there, and from His power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Now, that, that is just loaded with significance here. I want you to turn over to Numbers chapter 16. So, Numbers chapter 16, let me just... Keep talking while you're doing that. So here we see the, uh, the, the heavenly temple John is seeing. He's seeing the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, the whole thing is just filled with smoke from the glory of God. And so great is this that no man can enter. Now here's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven angels standing there with these seven last plagues. And they're ready to pour them out on late planet earth here. But before they do, no man is able to enter the temple. Now, go over to Numbers chapter 16 for a, quite, a, a, quite an awesome scene here. Numbers 16.
Now, when, uh, when, when uh, the tabernacle of Moses was set up, uh, this, this is the picture you've got here, first of all. When the tabernacle of Moses was set up, the glory of God came from Mount Sinai and filled the, uh, filled, filled the most holy place, came, came on the Ark of the Covenant. Let, let, let's just uh, develop this a little bit more here. So the glory of God came from Mount Sinai and, and settled on the Ark of the Covenant, the blood-stained mercy seat, because the glory can only settle upon the blood, atonement, and then out from the glory, so it'll help us on this scene, out from the glory came this fire and, and burned upon the altar. So from the glory came the fire. That's the picture. From the glory came the fire. So from the glory came the fire. And we're told in Exodus chapter 40 that no man could enter into the sanctuary by reason of the glory. And, and when they saw the fire, they fell flat on their faces, began to worship God. So glory, fire. You know, we often use these things, I think, a little bit eagerly, say, oh, the glory of the Lord, the fire of the Lord, one fire for God. But do we really understand what we're you know what these terms really mean then in the temple of solomon when the temple of solomon was dedicated solomon was out here in the outer court he made that magnificent prayer and as he prayed the glory of god came to the temple of solomon and out from the glory again came the fire and burned the sacrifice on the altar and the people fell on their faces and worship then we're told second chronicles chapter 5 verse 7 to 14 i think uh, no man was able to enter into the sanctuary or enter into the house of the Lord by reason of the glory and the fire. Now, this is what John is seeing. He is seeing the heavenly temple, the heavenly sanctuary, the glory of God, the smoke of his power, and fire there, and no man's able to enter. Now, let's see why. Numbers chapter 16. we just paraphrase a little bit here. In the first few verses, we find that uh, Korah, and Dathan and uh, some of these fellows here from the tribe of Reuben uh, rose up against Moses and Aaron in rebellion. And so they gathered themselves together, verse 3, against Moses and against Aaron. Said, you take too much upon yourself. You guys think you're holy. We're all as good as you. We're all equal, even if some are more equal than others. <laughs> and so Moses heard it. He fell upon his face. Most sensible thing to do. <laughs> So he said to Korah in verse 5, just to paraphrase a little bit, okay, tomorrow we'll see who the Lord has chosen, who's holy, and who he wants it to come near, and that we haven't done this, it's not of ourselves. So in verse 6 he says, take you senses, Korah and all his company, put fire thereon and put incense on them. So they got their senses, and then tomorrow we'll see who's holy. Now, what happened? In the morrow, the next day, uh, the, the plague, the plague began. Let me go, uh, verse, seven, uh, verse 16. Moses said to Korah, Be thou and all your company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron demand. Take every man his sense and put incense on them. Bring before the Lord the 250 senses, you and everybody. So they all gather in verse 19 at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among the congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. 
And they fell on their face and said, Oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, sell one man sin, and will you be wroth with all the congregation? Now, here we have a rebellion on our hand against God's two witnesses, Moses and Aaron, if you please. So this 250 rebel take their senses of brass, not gold, brass imitation gold, take their sense that we're all good, so we're all equal. And so, go down a little bit to verse 29. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord has sent, not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open up her mouth and swallow them with all that appertain of them, and they go down quickly to the pit, then you'll understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth, it was like an earthquake, and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertained to Korah, and all their goods. Now, all Israel fled. Now what did Moses do as these people uh, were being swallowed up in this uh, earthquake or upheaval here? Moses, uh, let's go down to... Well, oh yes, okay. So verse 35, And there came a fire from the Lord, up from the Lord, and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Speak to Elias, the son of Aaron, that he take up the censers, of the burning and scattered out the fire yonder for they are held the senses of these sinners against their own souls language sinners against their own soul let them make uh, the broad place for a covering of the altar that they'll be assigned now let's go down to uh, verse I'm after on the morrow verse 41 everybody compl uh, complains that you've killed the people of the Lord they didn't get the message <laughs> All right, now, I want you to go down to verse 46. That's what I'm, I want to get, get to. And Moses, or God, God said to Moses, look, I'm going to kill everybody. I'll just wipe them all out. Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put on incense and go quickly unto the congregation. Make an atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. And Aaron took, as Moses commanded, ran into the midst of the congregation. Behold, the plague was begun among the people, and he put on incense and made an atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 men, beside those that died. And Aaron returned unto Moses, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. Now, I know I read a lot of scriptures there, but the picture is this. In the dedication of the tabernacle of Moses, the glory of God came, and fire came out from the glory and consumed the sacrifice. In the dedication of the temple of Solomon, the glory of God came to the most solid place, settled on the ark of the covenant of bloodstained mercy seat, and fire came out from the glory, and people fell on their faces of worship. Now, here we have rebellion, like in the book of Revelation, blasphemy against God, against the two witnesses, and so, glory of God, fire of God, and now these seven angels were the seven last plagues. No one could enter into the sanctuary. Now, there, Moses said to Aaron, Go, get your censure quickly and go. The plague is coming out from the Lord. People are dying everywhere. The plague has begun. Go in and, and, and get your censure, go on the censure, and stand between the dead and the living. 
So as Aaron the high priest, appointed anointed high priest, stood with his golden censer, ministry of intercession between the dead and the living, the plague was stayed. Now here, nobody can do that. When God starts with these seven angels to pour out the seven last plagues, nobody is going to be able to rush in and say, God, please stop the plague, stop the plague. No, the plague has begun. That's the terrible picture that we have here. No man is able to enter in and make intercession and prayer. Turn over to uh, a, 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 a terrible verse in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 15. And th th this, this was a condition that happened in Israel. Jeremiah chapter 15. And when God says what he did in Jeremiah chapter 15, it shows, shows how bad things are. And that's what it's like in this period of time. All right, Genesis, uh, I'm sorry, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 15. And look at verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Jeremiah 15 verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And then, uh, somebody might be able to help me on this, where the Lord said to Jeremiah, I don't want you to pray for these people. Anybody uh, put your finger on that verse? I forget exactly where it is, but there's another verse where God says to Jeremiah, don't pray for these people. Now, let's just comment here. Moses and Samuel and Jeremiah were the three greatest intercessors in the Old Testament. And so bad are the people here at this time, the house of Judah in the book of Jeremiah, going into Babylon captivity. God says to Jeremiah, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me as intercessors, my heart would not be toward her. And he tells Jeremiah later on, don't you even pray for this people. That's how bad the situation was here. Well, you think how bad it is in this period of time. So nobody would be able to go. So please, God, stop the plague. Stop the plague. And see, I've gone through the scriptures on plagues again. You know, he that abides under the shadow of the Almighty, uh, no plague will come nigh thy dwelling. Present the atonement money, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ prevents the plague coming nigh us. All the promises are blessing that no plague will come near our dwelling as long as we're under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and in the atonement. But here, the condition is so bad in the world, taking the mark of the beast and all this plagues, that's all that's open. There's nobody to make intercession. That's how bad the scene is. How many think that's a terrible, terrible time? All right, it's just about 10 o'clock, and I think before we go to chapter 16, we'll finish. So just glance over. I hope I've covered enough on this. I spent a bit of time on this, just because of the seriousness of, of this period of time. So the seven angels, seven last plagues, sea of glass unoccupied in, in chapter 4 or 5. Now it's occupied the victor's song, the song they sing, the song of Moses and the Lamb, comparing the open temple in heaven, and now the seven angels with the seven vials or bowls of God and the smoke of the glory of God. The smoke is so blinding. The glory of God is so great. Nobody can make intercession at this time. That's the, that's the tragic thing. Um, all right, maybe, maybe just one other thought I'll add and then we'll, we'll take a, 
I'll, I'll break you. Turn over to uh, Michael Cha uh, Michael. Daniel. <laughs> okay, I think I need a break too. Okay. Daniel, Daniel chapter 12. You're doing all right? I know this is a heavy, heavy session today. But that's how serious it is. And if uh, you know, a lot of us live to see this time, boy, we need to see people get right with God. Okay, just uh, uh, Daniel chapter 12, and this verse 1, I want to draw to your attention. And at that time shall Michael stand up. Now we've referred to Michael in Revelation chapter 12. Michael and his angels fought against the devil and his angels. So it's that the same time. We see that in verse 4. Shut up the words, Daniel, seal the book to the time of the end. In the time of the end, we see Michael and the three and a half years, time, times, and a half time. So at that time shall Michael stand up and the great prince which stands for your children and people, and there will be a time of trouble, great tribulation such as never was since there was a nation, even at that same time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. That's the picture now. Once you look at the significance of this before we take our break, uh, some people say Michael is the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't believe that. I believe he's an archangel. But here's the picture. When Jesus ascended back to the Father uh, in heaven, uh, the Father said to him, Sit on my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. So Jesus sat at the Father's right hand. Now, in Acts chapter 7, we have the first martyr of the early church who was Stephen. So when Stephen is being stoned and not on LSD and not on drugs, as well as who have a hippie Bible, okay? You ought to say that these days, you know that, because people think, oh, you get stoned. Well, Stephen was stoned, I can get stoned. No, 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 we're not talking about Turn these stones to bread. No, turn the bread to stone. No, no, we're not talking about that. You've got to interpret the words and stuff. So Stephen said, I see heaven open. Now John is seeing heaven open here. I see the Son of Man, Jesus, standing. Oh, I thought he was sitting. Standing at the right hand of the Father. And so the Jews plugged up there and said, blasphemy, blasphemy, and stoned him. We've stoned, stoned him to death. Now, what happened there? I believe in that case that Jesus is standing in order to receive the first martyr of the old church. And just to encourage you, he was a deacon. <laughs> I just trying to encourage the deacons here. <laughs> Some of you didn't get that. He's a great. Okay, now why do I say all that? All right, well, after that, Jesus is seated. So at this moment, while I'm teaching this seminar, Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand. Now, in this illustration here, at that time shall Michael stand up. Now when Jesus comes a second time, now I want you to listen carefully to this because this is what's all implied here. No man could enter the temple by reason of the smoke of the glory of God. Nobody could say, God, don't pour out the plagues. Stop the plagues. Here's the atonement. We'll make intercession. We'll pray. It's too late now. Mark of the beast. Unpardonable sin. That's, that's the reason for this. So at that time, so when Jesus comes a second time, he stands up. At the moment, he is seated on the throne of God, the mercy seat. Once Jesus stands up from the mercy seat, in readiness to come, 
there is no more mercy. Not another soul will be convicted. Not another soul will be saved. That's why Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The Spirit of God strove with man in the days of Noah for 120 years. But there came a time when God said to Noah, Come into the ark. He didn't say go. Where was God? Come into the ark. Come you and your family into the ark. Then when Noah and his family came to the ark, we're told, God shut the door. Not Noah. God shut the door. Once the door was shut, not another soul was saved. Not another soul was convicted of sin. Salvation was over. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. There's going to come a time, see the door of salvation is still open. We point to a triune ark. One God, one ark, one God. Triune ark, foundation, central story at the door, Jesus. Third story, Holy Spirit. A triune ark. Our job, like Noah, is to be a preacher of righteousness, not compromising it people into the ark, but point to the door. Once the door is shut, the Spirit ceases to strive with man. No more mercy. That's the picture that we have here. No one could enter in by reason of the smoke of the glory of God. Now the wrath of God is going to be poured out. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.